Welcome to the family on the Tom Bernard Podcast with Dave Schrader and Andy Brett Bernard. So Alex is not in again today. I, I thought she was coming in. I guess not. What the hell? Everybody just takes time off. Is that the plan? I know mom's Jeez, still uh, working on it. Good job if you can get it. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Doug, how are things going at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan? Well, we're in first and second place for the year in Minnesota. That's pretty impressive. What do you think the secret is? Well, clearly people like overpaid morning DJs that can't throw a first pitch over the plate. That hurt my feelings on so many levels. Sorry. Some people actually like these goofy ads, but there's a lot more to it. I think people really like the one-price upfront approach. They know they are being treated fairly. Yep. The free 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty doesn't hurt either. So what's going on this month? Well, inventory's finally getting better. We've got 75 Rogues and 25 Pathfinders available for delivery this month, and Nissan just came out with 1.9% for 36 months for people with good credit. The way interest rates are climbing these days, that's pretty darn good, Dougie. With all those Rogues and Pathfinders, free powertrain warranty, and low interest rate financing, no wonder Burnsville and Coon Rapids are setting records. We're like the Aaron Judge and Rod. Roger Maris of Nissan's. No, no, you're not. Catherine's trying to track down a, uh, a priest or a chaplain or something to come to the uh, come to the funeral. I guess it's not an easy. Did you know? I didn't know this, and she's not the one who told me. Another friend told me that when you hire a uh, a minister, a priest, whatever, they get paid cash in an envelope. Uh, how is that legal? It's the holiest way to get paid. Oh, it's the holiest way to get paid. It's considered a donation, Tom. Oh, is it a donation? It is a donation. Okay, okay. Okay. I'm wearing my uh, Bobby Bacala shirt today, so I know things about about this. I have that same shirt. Do you really? Exact same color, exact same shirt. Nice. They're very, very good. So what else? Everything else good? Yeah, I've got a chaplain for her I can connect her with That's uh, if she needs, yeah. Oh, she, yeah, she's a former military for chaplain. She's yeah. Mm-hmm. She she I know she's looking for one right now, so I'll find out if she uh, if she hasn't found it, I'll have her give you a buzz. Yeah. About is she Catholic? <clears throat> uh, she's a chaplain. I don't know, a military chaplain. I don't, usually they just kind of non-denominational, That's but true. she might be Catholic in in. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he would have want, wanted one that was specifically Catholic. I assume so, because he was quite Catholic himself. Gotcha. So who knows? Yeah. Hopefully that was something that he wrote down, because otherwise we have no idea. That's right. It's all true. Although I got a bone to pick with the Catholics. There's a lot of them out there, I've been told. 
There are. When my there mom are, passed yes. away six years ago, she mm-hmm. was in the hospital. I said, uh, do you want me to go get the, the uh, priest to pray for you, Mom? Because she was getting ready to say goodbye. And she said, yeah, please. And I went and I got the priest. And he goes, oh, I can't pray for her. She's Lutheran. Yep. Well, I said, what? You're a priest. And he goes, yeah, but uh, I'm a Catholic priest. Yep. you got to call your Lutheran. I go, she's going to pass away in the next 10 to 15 minutes. And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders. I, mean, I could have throat punched him mm-hmm. right then and there. I was like, <laughs> you're a priest. It shouldn't matter what denomination. Isn't that the whole idea? You, you go pray for the people and try to help them. I don't get it. Catholics won't, uh, well, hardcore Catholic churches won't give communion to non-Catholics either. It's interesting that they'll take the money as my mom's dying in their hospice center, though. They were okay with that mm. for a non-Catholic. Well, she should have just converted. Yeah, right there then and go. there. All right, right I'm Catholic. Last-minute conversion. There sure. you go. I've never understood why my belief in goodness is different from yours, and therefore it's better. Yeah. What? If you believe in God or goodness, if you believe in the devil or evil, isn't that enough? Yeah. And if you're asking for a prayer, isn't that the whole concept? Didn't Jesus go sit with the taxpayers and the whores because they needed him? Absolutely. He didn't hang out with the rich that paid to be part of the church. He, he went to the people that needed him. Uh, it's exactly why I've always looked at it. I, I like how the rules change once the money gets involved. Yeah. Because <clears throat> you know that's what this is all about. Well, so be it. I don't know. I know. It's Very just, weird deal. You can't even worry about it. I'm still it. I mean, bitter six years later about it. I just It just haunts mm-hmm. me off. I'm like, the only thing my mom wanted was somebody to pray over her, a priest. And he wouldn't to, And he do wouldn't it. do it. Wouldn't come in the room. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sure they have some reason yeah. that was written down 1,500 years ago. Yeah. You don't believe what I believe, and therefore I'm not helping you. Yeah, exactly. And Wait, what? she believes in God and wants prayer. Exactly. Isn't that what you both believe in? It's crazy. I just really don't. I really do not understand that at all. I don't don't. understand a lot to do with organized religion. Well, yeah. And that's not me slamming God or or it's organized religion itself just seems so outdated and poorly thought out. So in other words, organized religion, you mean money? Yeah, well, there's that. That's what it's all. It I is. Know. It's money. Mon- every time money gets involved, it ruins everything. Well, I told everybody always asks, why do you think there's such a, a resurgence in the in interest in the paranormal? And I said, the the resurgence of of paranormal interest always happens around wartime. Oh, that makes and sense. Yeah. You recall it was around 2003 when things started to explode with shows like Most Haunted and all of you know Dead Famous, all those shows. Right. And then it started propagating here in the United States. It was right on the heels of 9/11. And people went back to church seeking answers. Remember, churches were overflowing after Mm -hmm. 9-11 attacks. And the church uh, groups saw this as, oh, look at all the new tithers we have. And they went into tithing ceremonies, or or not ceremonies, but sermons. And I went in and tried three or four different churches because I was looking to see if I could... Right. Connect with a speaker right. that could help us make sense of this. And and each one saw dollar signs. And it was a five-minute sermon and then the rest about why we should tithe. And this is the most important time to tithe. And tithe, 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 tithe. And that's, for people that don't know, that's you, you should be giving us 10 to 20% of your income. Of the income, yes. Yeah, because right. we want to put a new roof on the church and we want to build a new fun land for the kids you know, area and we want to do this. And, and it was not answering the questions, the tough questions that were being asked of the church. At the time, so people strayed away from it, seeking spirituality. But you know, a tithe is tax deductible. It is. Mm -hmm. I know. I've tithed. I've been a tither, even though I don't go to church. Yeah, I I like that. 
I used to tithe quite often, and you know, hey, it is what it is. You you give uh, you give your percentages, but uh, I just didn't like the fact that that's all the church seemed to care about. Yeah, was your money. Well, the thing is, makes I was just asked a few weeks ago if I believed in God, and they said yes, I believe in God. Mm-hmm. I said, why is that? And I said, because God basically is just a shortened version of the word good, and I do believe in goodness. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't enough for them. I said, it's just a coincidence that God is a shortened version of good, and de evil is the devil. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, come on. Did we make it simple enough for you? <laughs> I mean, but people don't see it that way. They really don't yeah. see it that way. I, 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 yes, I think there's good, and yes, I think there's evil. So therefore, sure. there's a God and the devil. This is going to tie in very nicely with your first guest today. Is it? Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. His well, book has the word evil in it. There you go. Oh, it does, really? Yeah. Oh, look yeah. At look at that, huh? Instead, we became evil, a true story of survival and perseverance. Oh, this ought to be good. Mm-hmm. This ought to be a good one. Slayman Najim, I think is how you say his name. That would make the most sense to yeah. me. That would be, yeah, it would make some sense anyway, but he's going to join us in about one, two minutes somewhere in there. Yeah, I think Alex might be here. Alex showed up? What Look do you know? Finally, after all this time, you know. <laughs> Can you believe it? 45 minutes late, but. I'm not 45 <laughs> You started the show at 10, don't you know? Talking to mom. I just saw her a few minutes ago, so that was good. She's working on getting a getting a priest for uh, your grandpa. Priest or a deacon. Or a deacon or somebody. Do they, oh, um, do you know if the priest slash deacon needs to be Catholic? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, it does? Well, I guess Dave's well, out of luck then. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not out of luck. It's, <laughs> it's not like I get a percentage for referrals. Well, wait, you said it's a woman, right? Yeah. He was Catholics ca- don't. No, allow that. Oh, they don't. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Can't no, he was very Catholic, so yes, my mom wants him to be. What if we can get an archbishop? Like you know what I should do? I should Cardinal. go over to St. Anne's in North Minneapolis and go, you got nothing better to do. Come on over. Yeah, great idea. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Yeah, and she's like finishing. Oh, my gosh. What? Dying is expensive. Yeah, Dying sure is. is expensive. You're yeah. absolutely right. And that's right before they take 40% of your net worth. Yeah. I know. I Yeah. My friend Dana was over at my house last night, and her mom works in a funeral home. She's like, yeah, it's big business. It's all money. Dying. We were just talking about that. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's such a monopoly, too, because you, oh, can't, yeah. you can't just, like, take Grandpa and bury him in the backyard because no. it's like, well, we don't want to spend any money. We'll just put him here because that's illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the amazing thing to me, and we've talked about this many times before, is that our politicians all about money. It's all. Well, it's more about money than anything else. Our school system now is all about money. Well, that's probably one big reason money. people tend to scatter ashes. Well, you also, that doesn't cost any money. But, right. But, but you also have to realize that there is a reason that we don't just bury people willy nilly, and that's well, yeah, because they disease, are. Disease. You know. Yeah. <laughs> they leach into the water yep. source. Yeah, and that would that. be good. Yeah. There's a reason coffins are made to withstand a nuclear blast. Well, yeah. Right. That. So. Crazy. I know when my mom passed away, we went, my dad and I went to sit down with the funeral home. We're like, we already own uh, three plots because my grandfather bought them when he pa- before he passed, and then he got buried in New Orleans. And so the only person there was my grandmother. So we had these plots already, and they're like, oh, okay, great. Well, um, to to break ground, put her in, do this, and it was going to be like ten to twelve grand. Jesus. And I'm like, but we already own the plot. They're like, oh yeah, that's just to dig the hole. I go, give me a shovel. Twelve G's to dig a hole. It was hole. crazy. Can my I dad, my dad, and I shook shovel? our head, and then we went in, and they showed us the coffins, and like the cheap coffin was around five grand. Yeah. And my dad, you could just see him sitting there tabulating things, and he's like, whatever it takes, just do it. And I go, well, I got a question for you. I said, uh, what's the what's the cremation story? 
So they told it to me. So we got her cremated in a nice urn and everything for 3500 yep. bucks. There you yeah. go. And I, Because I asked my dad right then and there, I go, so what's your plan when you go? And he goes, hey, let's focus on mom first. <laughs> and I said, no, what's your plan? He goes, I really don't care. Put me out at the end of the driveway in a garbage bag on, on Sunday. I couldn't agree more. And I more. said, well, how about if I get you cremated, mom cremated? When you when you go, I'll put your ashes in a giant Mrs. Fisher's potato chip tub with her ashes. Shake it up, and I'll go spoon out cups at every national uh, preserve around the United States. There he goes. Go. Sounds like a plan, and that's what we did. Yeah, that's basically what Melissa's grandpa said. Something like a Folgers can or something like that. Yeah, yeah. he didn't care. Yeah. Why would you care? I don't know. I guess it depends on what your belief is in terms of the afterlife and stuff. Mm. You're Egyptian. The integrity of the body is very important. Well, I, ancient Egyptian, I guess. Yeah, say. ancient Egyptian. The thing I don't like is the viewing the corpse. No, what the hell do you want to do that for? We had. I don't need that. that. I think that's for closure. To it is for closure, yes. We, I got closure. My got mom it. did not look like my mom. No. She looked like skeletal no, remains it, when she went away. It's pleasant. And oh, it's so we elected not to, and we had her cremated beforehand. So we had just the urn, this beautiful angel urn. Mm-hmm. And all of my, my dad's old Catholic buddies and friends, why no, f- oh, no, wake. We, we want to see her. We want to. So I opened up the phone and showed him a picture. He goes, <laughs> there you go. He goes out loud, oh my God, she looked like hell. And I go, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. why we don't have a coffin here. <laughs> it's yeah. horrible. We, yeah. my, one of my mom's closest friends died quite young in a accident and horse yeah yeah and we went to her wake and it was an open casket and this is a woman that never wore makeup ever in her life her hair was always like a frizzy mess Mm -hmm. and that's how we knew and loved her and at the wake she had just she was like tan and had like pink lipstick on on. and i was like (laughs) well it's because your skin turns this unnatural gray so they gotta cover that up and your lips recede they gotta fix that i know and it's, it's like i understand not... why they did it but i was like this isn't the way that i would want to no. see her the last time like, it's, it's very artificial and, and, and yeah. unlike life have you yeah. seen the new version of of burials they're doing now or or wakes where they pose you and a lot oh, of yeah, rappers are yeah. doing this. Oh, yeah. They'll yeah, pose they, with the body. I can't remember what it's called. It's like called extreme, not taxidermy, but extreme, extreme embalming or something taxidermy. like that. And they, like they do. They've got them sunglasses leaning against the wall with a oh, cigarette yeah. in his oh, hand yeah. or yep. something. And they're, you know, it, to me it's crazy, but I guess that's the way I would want to go. See, Who's I the, want one of those voice-activated things, so when you walk by my coffin, you hear... Psst, extreme embalming. Psst. Yeah, extreme, extreme embalming. Extreme Apparently, it's, embalming. it's like a weekend at Bernie's kind of thing. Yeah. You know it what I love? Like is the, he was an R&B singer. He was not a rapper. He was an R&B singer. When he was died, he was buried in his Lincoln Continental. They buried the entire car. Who's you know? that? It's a big I can't plot. remember. It, it, wow. I can see his face. He's wearing sunglasses. Because mm-hmm. he stood him up in the corner, by the way, before they put him in the car. So he's leaning in the corner. He's got kind of leaning like this with his hands crossed you know, uh, by his waist. And he's wearing a hat. And he's wearing sunglasses. It's like, okay, well, yeah. Yeah. hey, whatever. Yeah, I mean, when my mother died, was she's, hers is the last. Because if they have an open casket, I'm not going to the funeral. That's not going to happen. Well, they yeah. had a closed casket for her. What's that? They had a closed casket for her. Not initially. You could really? see her when I first walked in. You could see when her. When I was there, it was closed. Yeah. Oh, I didn't go when anywhere we were outside. What's that? And everyone was like in a line. Going no, no, in. that was in the mortuary. <laughs> well, oh, Andy I never. Wa- yeah, I never went in. Oh. Oh, you didn't go in either, Alex. Yeah, it was in the mortuary. She, they, they had her casket still open. Uh, okay. Well, because I was so. 
weirded out by how I saw Vicky, mom's friend, that I was like, I'm never going up to see an open casket ever again. No. Because I'm like, this is not how I want to see no. this person. Well, people have the this last Hollywood time. idea that when you die, you just look like you're sleeping. Yeah. But that no. is not how it goes. No. Not unless it's been like, you know, 30 minutes. I was going to say, within the first hour and a half, mm -hmm. well, you. Here's a good example for you. The mm -hmm. last one I did walk up and look, because I did not walk up and look at my mother, I could see her way across the room that I could just see like the top of her head. So I knew it was open. But I had a friend that went to Vietnam, got killed in Vietnam. They sent him home. They buried him. The problem is he's a United States Marine. They put him in his dress blues or whatever it is in the Marine Corps. I think it's dress blues with his uh, military lid. Don't they call it a lid? Yeah. Probably not a, a cover. Military, they call right? it a cover. They call it a cover in the Marine Corps. It's not a hat. It's a cover. Mm, of course. So he put his hat on, but you could still see the bloody thing in his forehead where the bullet went in. Yep. Oh, it's like, why do I want to see? I mean, it was yeah. colored over, but you could still see where the hole was. Oh, yeah. Yikes. I mean, who needs that? See, these are good conversations <laughs> to have today, isn't it? Deo de mus muertos. I can't say that. Yeah. No, it's, it's the it's two until days today. After? Yeah. Well, no, it's like there's All Souls Day oh. and Dio de yeah. las Muertas, whatever it is, but it rolls over for like three days from Halloween till today. Oh, it's like yeah, a Ramadan so. kind of thing. Yeah. So okay. In a way. But I love the fact that they're, you know, the Europeans have an interesting take on a lot of it when you go you know because i go over to europe all the time to do these tours these haunted mm -hmm. tours we'll go to these old crypts and they have little lease deals on there so they like do? you bought this crypt for 50 years and at the end of 50 years if somebody doesn't pay the lease out you go yeah, and really? somebody yeah so well, where do you you're, go you're not there anymore it doesn't matter get rid of it and that's the way they they treat a lot of well, this in 50 stuff. years physically you might not be there right there's nothing so, left yeah, and some of them have leases you can do for 25 50 and it's cheaper to bury them if you've got a five-year lease, 10-year lease, yeah, and then they yeah, just true. take them out and probably, I would guess, burn, probably. Do you think you just burn the bodies? Probably. Well, that's, yeah, that's how cremation works, is basically all that's left is bone. I've been into a couple well, of antique stores where I've seen the... Uh, Mortis pictures. Have you ever seen those where the families like pose the dead person yep. with them like a family uh, portrait? No, I'm good. And I'm always like, that's a, but we just had a different take on the way we handled death. That, yeah. you know, and, and with the, the Day of the Dead, you know, a lot of the Hispanic families will go have picnics in the cemeteries and have yeah. meals and prepare a meal for the dead because well, they believe that the dead person is basically right there with them yeah. they just yeah. can't see him yeah but it's yeah. a great isn't that a better way to do it than the way we do it you know yeah, like they're dead and it's horrible yeah so they're always depressed. around you just celebrate them yeah. i think that's great yeah. well it's funny it reminds me of a simpsons quote one of the early ones uh i forget exactly why but ned had a close call with death mm -hmm. and as ned and maude were very religious they were like the religious people in springfield yeah. and maude goes i was so scared you were going to go to the eternal bliss of paradise <laughs> <laughs> because it's funny because yeah. if you're christian you believe that when you die you're going to yeah. go to heaven which is a good thing yeah but we still don't want people to die because it's a bad thing well it's bad for us it's, it's those yeah. that are left behind it's yeah. not mourning it, for them it's mourning for selfish. us yeah, yeah. If you think about it yeah. yeah it's like oh well you're going to go to heaven and i'm stuck down here what the hell that's well yeah. you know with the ghost hunting and dealing with the paranormal a lot of times the spirit realm have have said when we've asked why are you still here it's because you won't let us go 
Mm. The concept being, and, and they did a really it's great your version. Fault. Yeah, well, there's a movie called uh, Ghost Town with Ricky Gervais. I heard that's really good. It's an awesome that's comedy. What I, that's it's what a I've great heard. movie. He get, he has a near death experience, and he can suddenly see the dead. And he tries to ignore it, and then decides to start oh, helping yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And then he just basically, kind of the the, the whole idea is we're not the, the ghosts aren't haunting us. We're haunting the dead. It's our inability to let go. Oh, okay. Our inability to say goodbye. And that's what, you know, I've I've still not gone for a reading. You know, people are always off. Do you want me to try to connect you with your mom? I'm like, no, I feel like I did it all while we were alive. And yeah, there if you she's go. off yeah. in heaven now, let her enjoy heaven. If yeah. she wants to communicate, I'm always here. She knows how to reach me. Tom here with my good friend, CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, I was out in Maple Grove the other day, saw your new branch that's under construction. It's looking great. Thanks, Tommy. We're very excited to open our new Maple Grove branch in the Arbor Lakes area later this year. Well, the way I do math, that's the sixth North American Banking Company, and you only have five fingers. How'd you get to six? I used my computer. (laughs) (laughs) We better not ad-lib. All right, we won't (laughs) ad-lib. Never mind. People will... Well, well, you're not mean. that good at it. Oh, yes, yeah, that's true. That's, right you know, we have locations in Roseville, 50th in France, Hastings, Woodbury, and Shoreview. One thing I like about being a North American Banking Company customer is I can do a lot of my banking online or on your mobile app, but sometimes it helps to go in and talk to one of your friendly bankers in person. Everybody loves when you visit, Tommy. We hope to see you in Maple Grove soon. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We have Wendy on the phone, and I don't Wendy. know where our guest is. I yeah, have a right. feeling there was a time uh, time zone mix-up. He'll probably call next hour. To yeah, that would be my guess, 11.45. Which means he'll be on for 15 minutes at 11.45 Whatever. at the noon. That's fine. Like I said, we got to shorten our interviews to about 20 minutes anyway, so, so we'll, we'll get, get there. That. So he did it for us, basically. Wendy, what's up? Hello. Yes, I was just listening to you uh, talk, and Dave sort of was talking about the, uh, the pictures that people used to take of the open casket with the family. I used to work at a uh, Photoshop like way back in the day. That was extremely common, mm-hmm. even around here. And it, it doesn't go for like any specific uh, religious, racial, any kind of group like that. It's all across the map. It's it's a lot more common than you'd think. And my grand, my great-grandmother, way back, used to have um, her favorite grandson, her oldest grandson, died when he was, like, eight. He, I don't know what he oh, had, yeah. but he died when he was eight. And she has a picture, she had a picture of him in his casket framed on her dresser. So yeah. every morning... She would say good morning to him and kiss the picture and tell him how much she missed him. And it's like, oh, you know, I mean, at that time it had been about 30 years since that had happened. So it's like, uh, Grandma, I yeah. think that was her way of dealing with it. Well, they've got all these... Up- uh, it, go ahead. 
it, it just always kind of, at first it creeped me out when I was seeing these pictures, like how, you know, why? But sometimes that's the last thing they have to remember this person. They can't, they can't really wrap their heads around it. So that's what they keep because it's the last time that they saw them. Well, they've got those new hologram libraries they're building, and I think Shatner was the first one to do it. <clears throat> oh, really? So they take your audio of you saying all these things and all the pictures and videos and photographs that exist of you, and they're basically creating an AI yeah. hologram of you. That's really? going to be that the your new family thing can in like, visit. Yeah. yeah, 10, 15 so, years. And, and it, it can read you stories. And, and what is it, Alexa? Now, if you give them a minute worth of audio of somebody, so I could take... A minute from the KQ morning show of you talking, feed it into the Alexa, and then go, Alexa, read me a story in the voice of Tom Bernard. Yep. And it'll start reading the story with your Jesus, voice. That's and it'll terrifying. all the cadence and everything. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. There's uh, YouTube videos. There's like Homer Simpson reading lines from uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is creepy, right? As we're talking about that aspect of. Of AI kind of taking over Winnie's new job. All she said on her voicemail is Winnie Schrader. And when you call her number and you get her voicemail, the entire voicemail is her voice. She didn't record any of that. All I know. she said was her I name. Like that. Right? Isn't that creepy? <clears throat> no, well, thanks. Although there's what a hundred trillion hours of my voice on the internet right now, so uh, there's a lot. This is going to happen eventually. I yeah. remember I cut yeah. commercials twenty years ago when it started. There was the uh, guy. What was the name of the machine again? I can't remember the name of the machine, but I would cut all these commercials, and I'd be driving in my car, and the commercial would come on saying things I never said. That did bother me because I'm like, I'm selling your product, and I actually never said the words that you're playing back in my voice. That was kind of like, eee, this could get ugly. Which I suppose it probably does get ugly, doesn't it? People, people using been, other voices. People have been worrying about deep fakes and that kind of stuff ever since Photoshop came out. That's but true. I think people, for the most part, are evolving with that technology. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you see a fake photo. Most people tend not to believe it immediately. And then when they're told it's fake, they'll understand. It's not like, oh, you know, I saw a picture of... Uh, Donald Trump eating a puppy, it must be real. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. It's like, oh, it's a Photoshop. Okay. Was there mustard on it? If not, you know it's fake. Well, I mean, yeah. there's the McDonald's mustard and ketchup yeah. and the secret sauce, you know. Wendy, I still get a good laugh out of this guy's evil, that guy's evil, blah, blah, blah. It's it, There's no discourse anymore. There's no Democrats talking to Republicans, Republicans talking to mm, Democrats. God, no. It's all, we hate you, and I will always hate you. You're not like me, so get away from me. How do you learn anything well, if you act like that? You know, you don't learn anything. I mean, no. You know, it's like how, how, how I tend to learn things is I like to actually go read things about people from trusted sources. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like when we, when we, when we, I know that's crazy, but when we vote next week, my daughter, I ever since she's been able to vote, I've kind of started this rule in the house that we tend to all go by. We download a copy of the, uh, the ballot from our area, and we, re we actually research the people that are on the ballot. Also, crazy talk. But we research the people on the ballot to see, you know, I mean, we don't want to vote for the serial killer that's running for something. Or, you know, we maybe maybe one candidate is a Democrat and we agree with them, but maybe a different candidate for something else is Republican 
and we agree with them. It's like I, I can't blindly vote one party or the other. I have to vote by the candidate. You know, it's really weird about that. I'm going through a situation right now. I'm talking a bunch of different markets about, you know, morning show jobs or this, that, or the other thing. And I've, I've talked to, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 different people, all the rest of it. And some of them go, you know, Tom, uh, your reputation is you're, you're very conservative. I said, I'm very conservative. I might lean a little conservative more than centrist, but I am far from being very conservative. Well, by Minnesota standards, though. I well, mean, that's true. The nut job. Everyone's very here. conservative by Minnesota standards. Here's the thing, though. How can you trust oh. that when, when you pulling up stuff on the people? Listen, I can go out and say, hey, I'm against abortion. I'm against raising taxes. I'm against anything. making uh, uh, insulin cost so much money. And the minute yeah. I get voted in, I sign the abortion bill. I right. jack up the price of it's yep, so impossible to times. tell. Yeah, it's, it is. None of the no. politicians live up to their, their no. stakes. That's no. the sad part. There no. should be a law. If you make a promise while campaigning, you have to deliver or else you get executed. <laughs> That's an extreme measure, but I'm with you. That would make you think twice before yeah, making a promise. I promise to do my but best. The way, that, the way that we have to go about it is just to, you know, look for at least two sources on each candidate and just, you know, kind of vote with what you have to trust in something, you know what I mean? I mean, unless you know him personally, but I mean, yeah. in the primaries, it did work because there is a certain person that got uh, voted out in our primaries that was a uh, state representative that did not belong in political office. And thankfully, the person, you know, that should have won did. But, you know, I'm not going to say his name, John Thompson, but, um, it's it's one of those things where that actually worked. When people saw, you know, did a little more due diligence on him, they realized he was not healthy for the community. Mm. And I actually got to talk to the person that won. She was somewhere at a, actually went to something she was at because I thought, well, if we're going to replace him, you know, let's not replace him with an equal. And uh, she was pretty awesome. So I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm definitely voting for you. You know, you were convincing, if nothing else. But oh, and I gotta say, Dave um, loved Ghosts of Devil's Perch. I think we Thank watched you. it like two or three times. It was awesome. I appreciate that. Well, and if you like the the TV series Ghost of Devil's Perch, if you go to my YouTube channel at Paranormal Sixty, we did recap episodes. So we went on there and talked about each one of the episodes more in depth. Showed some evidence that didn't make it. Told some of the other histories. So you can check you that know, out as Shane well. You and Cindy have just been you and Shane and Cindy have just been rocking it out. I mean that. You know, Ronald the Doll special and uh, Ghost of Flight 401 and then Shane. Oh, yeah. my God. 28 you Days know. Haunted on uh, Travel <laughs> that, or on Netflix. That, yeah. Yeah. We watched, I watched it the day it came out. It's like, I'm so happy for you three because you definitely deserve this fan. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, it's funny. On Halloween, I'm sitting there on my front stoop. It's the first time I've been home in two and a half months where I've had just, like, time. Right. So I'm sitting on the front stoop handing out candy. I'm getting all these messages. Do you think this could be a ghost? I go, I got today off. <laughs> Have a good day. Yeah, this is my go. Sunday. I'm on a, it's Halloween. Go. I'm handing out candy. Mm-hmm. Ask me a week from now. I'm so tired of the, the of the rhetoric. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's cool that, that people are still uh, jiving on the, the paranormal, and I hope we'll get a chance to do more. Uh, Shane and I are doing an event out at uh, Joliet State mm-hmm. Prison in May. 
in, down uh, in Illinois. Yeah, the fifth and sixth. That place is off the hook weird with paranormal activity. Like large groups of us hearing, seeing things happen. So I've got uh, tickets if people are interested and they go to darknessevents.com. Darknessevents.com and they can join us on the ghost hunt and get to be a part of the hunt instead of just sitting comfortably at home watching it from behind uh, blankets and sheets, right? Well, and now, Dave, do you think that more people are actually turned toward paranormal shows and, like, believing in the paranormal because they're reaching out for something they can believe in because so much stuff in the quote-unquote real day-to-day world has disappointed them? They're just looking for something that they can... The paranormal is the great equalizer. We're all going to face death. So everybody, that's one yep. common ground. That's why I always say when I tell people at these conventions, I go, look around at the people in here. How many of these people would you not have spoken to in any other environment? And we've got doctors and lawyers and, and firefighters and stay-at-home moms and dads and all of this. People you would never have even thought would be in your circle. And and this is the great equalizer. The concept of what comes next fascinates people. So the... You know, I think that uh, that that's where we can all come together and kind of talk about it. So I think people are just, you know, in an uncertain world and uncertain times, they all just want to kind of escape and watching shows that have, you know, that's why things like Game of Thrones and all these Marvel movies are so huge. I think people just mm-hmm. crave an escape from the reality of the mm-hmm. BS. We need heroes. We need fantasy. We need fun. And uh, I think that's why people are turning to it. But spirituality, like I said, has always been on the rise in times of, of turmoil. All right, Wendy, we got our guest on the phone, so we got to drop you. Perfect. Y'all have a wonderful rest of the week. Thanks, Wendy. Bye, Wendy. Who doesn't like Wendy? That's all I have to say. Tinkerbell. <clears throat> Tinkerbell doesn't like Wendy. That's she true. Just her. Hates Wendy. She does not. It's absolutely true. What are you going to do? Doug, how are things going at Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan? Well, we're in first and second place for the year in Minnesota. That's pretty impressive. What do you think the secret is? Well, clearly people like overpaid morning DJs that can't throw a first pitch over the plate. That hurt my feelings on so many levels. Sorry. Some people actually like these goofy ads, but there's a lot more to it. I think people really like the one-price upfront approach. They know they are being treated fairly. Yep. The free 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty doesn't hurt either. So what's going on this month? Well, inventory's finally getting better. We've got 75 Rogues and 25 Pathfinders available for delivery this month, and Nissan just came out with 1.9% for 36 months for people with good credit. The way interest rates are climbing these days, that's pretty darn good, Dougie. With all those Rogues and Pathfinders, free powertrain warranty, and low interest rate financing, no wonder Burnsville and Coon Rapids are setting records. We're like the Aaron Judge and Roger Maris of Nissan's. No, no, you're not. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. 
You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our very special guest to the show, Slayman Najim. Is that how you say your name? Is it Slayman Najim? Uh, Slyman. My name is Slyman Nezim. Slyman. Yeah. Slyman. Okay, Slyman. And you pronounce it Nezim? Nezim. N-E-J-I-M. Indeed. So, Slyman, how are you today? How are things? I'm fine. How are you guys? We're doing extremely well, as a matter of fact. Instead, we became evil, a true story of survival and perseverance, a powerful story of struggle, survival, and hope for the future, is told by one of Denmark's most successful artists. The violent, compelling debut, co-written with journalist Dart Adams, provides a complex portrait of one man and the various ways in which every social system that was supposed to help had failed him. I cannot wait to hear about this, Lyman. I'll just hand it off to you. I want to hear, where'd the story start? Yeah, the story starts in like in uh, 1982 when I was born in uh, Lebanon in a refugee camp called uh, the Beautiful Eye, translated into English, Ain al Halwa. So, like, and we from there we were like already uh, refugees from the Palestinian War, in, like the Middle East, and were refugees in Lebanon, and from there on we went back to to Europe. From uh, another six-day war, I think in '82, I don't remember the call of the, the, what they called the war there, but we got to be refugees one more time again and fled to Europe, Northern Europe. <laughs> what a story that is! You know, um, I had friends. I, I grew up with some friends uh, who were born in Lebanon as well, and uh, has that area ever <coughs> ever recovered, Slyman? I mean, I, is it ever going no. to? No, it never has. So recovered. It, will it ever? No, because it's so fractured by by you know by different ethnic groups like different uh, religious beliefs, Christian, Muslim, Jews. So there are so many, and everybody want to be right, you know. So after like the the, the 70s war, it, before that was like uh, the the Paris of the Middle East. Lebanon was like a pearl in the in, in the Middle East. But after the 70s, the wars got war torn from war to war to civil. Oh, did I lose him there? I'm. Um, well, that was a fight that didn't end, yeah. Yeah, and it's just really so sad because before I said, I, unfortunately, I never was able to make it there. But it was this beautiful area, from what I understand. I have a, I have an old friend named Eddie Lahoud, who grew up in the in the area, and he just, he, he very very sad his whole life about what happened to his homeland and his, uh, you know, the town in which he grew up. It, it, it really hit him hard, Slyman. Yeah, it's, it's, of course it's sad, but I'm, I'm as I said, like. We were refugees from Palestine, so we, in Lebanon we didn't like have the equal rights yeah. as the Lebanese people, yep. or you know, but we were also refugees then. Lived in refugee camps with a, with a, a little bit of what you call a normal life there. So, so before we even got to get a life in Lebanon, we were refugees one more time from the Lebanese wars and civil wars. So we fled to Northern Europe, and we moved to Germany. And from there, we were like. Uh, 
inside Europe, and from there we lived in Denmark. And that was a, like what what you call it was like a a paradise. It was like with everything was green, everything was you know no wars, no nothing, you know. And we were received by what you call today as hippies. They received us with music <laughs> and with songs. Right. And very traumatizing to meet those kind of people that then. That makes sense. Now, here's an interesting, this is fascinating. Sliman uh, had dropped out of school and was on one of his, uh, was one of his gang's most feared and revered members as a teenager. He was involved in hundreds of crimes during his peak, but after surviving an attempted assassination, he addressed his demons and permanently abandoned the gang life. Sliman's now narrating his story in his own words. I want to hear all about, this. so how old were you when you, when you joined the gang, Sliman? In my in my personal experience, I didn't like go into a gang or sign up. I lived in an area. We moved from a, a very nice, sweet Danish town in, in the middle of like a, a, a very like what you call like the southern areas in, the, in America, it was like a, a, a humble city, and we were received well. But my mom and dad got divorced and got problems, and so my mom split my dad, and and she took us to the to like the. the the capital city of Copenhagen and the outskirts of that. And I was received by the guys, they were beatings, you know, they were very violent, a different type of uh, vibe in the city. It was more, you know, violent, and there was no, the language was with the hands. So I, I started getting beaten up, beaten up by the, you, you would call them white trash, and, 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 and you would call the other ones, you would call them the the black trash, if you could say that word. I don't know if you could, you're allowed to say that. But, we were like the, the, the lower, the lower, the lowest of society was in that city I moved to. So, and it was so rough and so many, you know, racial problems and economical, social problems. And we, I got in the middle of that, and I suddenly woke up like five or six years later as a part of a gang. I didn't even realize the, the gradual uh, entrance into that life, but. I became more and more violent myself, and I started speaking the language. And when I had problems with someone, it, it would be with, with, with violence. And I remember my first fight was with one of these, uh, you know, white power guys. And I won that fight by accident because he fell down a, 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 a something on the street. So I ended up on top of him, and I became a, a local hero, even though I was 14 years old. And at that time, I was really, like... I got drawn into that attention and that love and that acceptance because I didn't get it anywhere else. So I became like fond of that life and I found it like someone who took care of me when no one else wanted me. So I became criminal, I think, at that exact moment. Simon, do you think it's a, a good idea? Uh, I'm just talking about the United States of America now here. Um, we do love to glorify gangsters in our movies. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, you know, for people to understand, if you want to enjoy a gangster movie and you're smart enough to understand what it really is all about, that's fine. But so many younger people who are not that bright, apparently, think, hey, that's, I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live in a beautiful home uh, in New York and I'm going to drive a big fancy car. Uh, do you think it's right that some of these, some of these uh, movie-making companies make these movies that inspire young people to become criminals, basically? I, I I agree with you because I see I, I I was drawn into that life by movies by Boys in the Hood yeah. by mm -hmm. Men's Society yeah all those movies got it like made it like uh, romantic it was like a romantic lifestyle it was like it was hard it was 
cool, and they made it look like something else. No, they did, and I. And we got, we, and music also played a role. So from it's not it's not the, I cannot blame music or blame movies, but of course they they play a role. There's no movies about gang life when you see that John Gotti, how he got killed or how, or how their life ended or how Paul Castellano got killed. You always see the rise. You never see the fall. Mm. No, that's exactly it. And I just think it makes me a bit nervous. Again, I think the movie The Godfather is a terrific movie, but I also understood that it was a fantasy, that it was a movie, it wasn't real life. Yeah, but kids don't really know but the difference. But kids don't know the difference, and that's the major problem here. It's like, oh, my God, they never go to work. They just sit at home and rob people and have a lot of money and live this wonderful, easy life. I, I, I don't like that. No one... Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And nobody ends up, nobody ends up on top. No criminal ends up. You have like, uh, what is his name? Uh, the biggest criminal guy in the world was what, uh, the, the Colombian guy. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Escobar. Yeah, yes. By, Escobar. Yeah, he ended up killed on the rooftop with his pants hanging, and you can see the, his butt in, in the air. You know, <laughs> no one ends on top. No one. And. The, the problem is when you find out that you want to get out of that life, it will be too costly. I got shot. My family got shot. You know, so we we paid with our blood to, to get a normal life, and we like fought for six or twelve years, six years inside of the gang, and six years out of it to just get acceptance that we weren't a part of that anymore. So it took a, it took almost a generation to fight out of it. Yeah, I, I, boy, I tell you, it, it's it must have been quite the stretch. How many times did you? Well, let me put it this way: How old were you when you settled in Denmark? I was four years old. Oh, you were four years old. Could you? So you jumped around about once a year for four years before you ended up in in Denmark. We you know we were like living in a refugee camp, and we were when when I was three, we moved to Germany, and from there we moved to Denmark because we didn't we couldn't settle down in Germany. My father wasn't happy, and we felt alone in, in Germany, and we moved on to Denmark because we heard that there was a couple of families from our neighborhood that that moved up there, and it seemed like a harmonic place with with with, with you know people receiving us with with music and flowers and. And we de- traumatized the people that that went there, so we, we, we went there on a, on a dream. But in that dream, our life, we, we didn't get integrated into society in the correct way. So we, we, we started living in a parallel society. And that parallel society ended up killing my father's uh, emotional feeling that he was a man and providing the home. He felt like he wasn't a man anymore. And that went on to my mom and to my sisters. And from there, from there on, our life was ruined. It all came down to my father couldn't find his place in society. He couldn't speak the language. Mm-hmm. Even though you've been working all day, you're not in, you're not worth anything because you have, you don't have the language. The language barrier was there. So how did you? You mentioned this earlier. You know, maybe some people didn't know how to speak the language. Uh, your current, you know, home, all the rest of it. How did you get out of the life, Slimin? Because most people don't get out without dying. Yeah, I almost I also almost died before I got out. So, right. Uh, they I've been they tried to kill me five times before I was out, and one of the times almost uh, they almost got me. I was I was hit four times by a nine millimeter. So I was like, <laughs> I was lucky that it didn't go into my you know into my vital organs or something like that. But 
I came up from that and I, for the first time, I was like forced to sit down and see my mom and see my younger kids and my younger nieces. And I was, when I was with them, I saw what kind of pain they had and the fear they had every time I left home. So I was like, I'm passing this on to my nephews and my sister's, to my sister's husband. They're like getting caught up in my war. So I had to take a choice to like be there for my family, take care of them and make sure that they didn't go the same route or or, or die on that lifestyle and, and my nephews would end on, on the same path. Yeah, well, and that would be on my shoulders. And so they would have. Slyman, they would have ended up going the same path as you if you hadn't stepped in and said, yeah, this is not the way to go. Let's not be doing this. Yeah, they would have followed you right in because it's all, you know, glorification of a, of, of a phony life, basically. That's, that's, you, you're right. And, and, you know, we have a thing in Denmark, you know, people, uh, kids don't do what you say. They do what you do, you know. They do what they, they, they copy you. So if you say don't live that life and you're living that, then they're not going to listen. But if you tell them not to live that life because you chose something else, then they, they will do what you do, not what you say you do, you know. Yeah, I think it's great. How did you come up with the title for the book, Instead We Became Evil, A True Story of Survival and Perseverance? Instead Became Evil is a, it's a very scary title, Slyman. Because, because we started out saying that, you know, we, we started out that we were like Robin Hoods of the of the ghetto. We tried to help right. our, you know, sisters and brothers that lived there that got bullied by the white pride of white power groups. So we thought we were like saving them. And we went from being those who tried to save people to those that actually made people hurt. So we, we became, in that fight, we became evil. We went from fighting evil to becoming it, you know? And, and that's how I, you know, I, I, that's how I view the, the, the trans, transition from being one of self-defense to one that's offensive, you know? Simon, I really like talking to people like you because you're, you're a great example. Because right now in America, we're going through this thing where no matter what you say or what you do, you're a racist and it's horrible and you're insulting me and all the rest of it. You saw real, true, dangerous racism in your life, correct? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, to be honest, from my point of view, I don't see that. That's, that's, no. That's a, you know, that's a shame. That's, the, 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 the thing about the thing about that racism, you know, of course there's racism. There's racism on all all sides of the aisle. If you look yes. on the, the the foreigner side, or you look, they're all pick, they're picking on each other, and they all need help. You know, they're in the same boat, and they are killing each other. You know, or fighting each other on on issues like my side of the street or your side of the street, and in the end, they're not looking at the social uh, mess they're in. And no one is, like, talking about that, you know? Yeah. I, I, see, we need more people like you, Slimer, to stand up and say, you know, this is I, I use a term. I always call the, the, the neighborhood whispering acres where all these, you know, pretty wealthy people live, and they all live in gated communities, and they all have this perfect life. But they're all experts on what goes on in the inner city, whether it be in Denmark or Germany or wherever you are. They don't even know what true racism looks like. They think they do, but they have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now everything, no matter what you say, that will be called racism. The real racism, no, they haven't seen it yet, no. I don't think it's like you have to go back in time or go back to Germany or Hungary or these countries where 
The whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. I'm really glad that you came out with this book. Simon, I like the way you talk about things. You talk about it very honestly. You kind of look back at your life and say, I made mistakes. I wish I hadn't made those mistakes, but I'm doing my best to get get past them. The name of the book, Instead We Became Evil, A True Story of Survival and Perseverance. I think it's a great name for a book. Because if you tell kids you want to go down that path, you want to become a gangbanger, so you're choosing evil. That's what you're doing is choosing evil. It's a great name for a book, Slyman. Yeah. That's the truth. That's the truth. It is. Slyman, thank you so much for your time, sir. The book is available on Amazon and everywhere, correct? Yeah, it's available uh, on, on all these pages, on uh, Amazon, on Penguin Random House, everywhere everywhere so now where are you right now are you in the united states right now no i'm in denmark i'm uh, working on uh uh you know uh, what you call the juvenile youth uh program where we're helping you with uh, with issues like i have myself and i'm trying to like help them that's in my position now slyman thank you very much sir have a great day all right Thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you. thank you for having me. Yeah. And we are back with Stretch's picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. Slyman Najim, last name is spelled N-E-J-I-M. The book is called Instead We Became Evil, A True Story, Survival and Perseverance. I am so glad that he came on because I get so tired of all these people, like I said, that, that live in whispering acres out there in the exurbs, and they're experts on what racism is. Oh, that's racist. That's not even close to racism. If you've never seen conflict, then you don't understand how exactly conflict works. Exactly right. And it's kind of like a difficult thing to, like... So he understands what racism really is because he experienced, you know, the actual real deal. But it's kind of difficult to say, like, you know, what these people need to experience is real racism to know what they're talking about because, you know, you don't wish war and death upon people. 
I guess it's just more like you'd wish that they would stop talking about things that they don't understand. That would be great. Like, if you want to be an expert yeah. on, you know, genocide, then you're going to have to see some stuff, and I don't think you want to. No, no. I think you're absolutely right about that. But I, it, it just, that whole thing bothers me so much. They've never seen the violence. They've never seen the murder. Like I said, it just... You're sitting out there and you're living this wonderful life, but you're an expert on the inner city. Sadly, if they saw the violence and they saw it firsthand, they would couch it towards their views of, well, what did you expect? You know, most of the people, that's that's their attitude is, well, look at the way they live. Look at the way they did this. Look at the, they have no clue or empathy. That's what the world's really lacking is just empathy for one another, not the false BS tree huggery crap mm-hmm. empathy where you know everybody's overwhelmed yeah, I, I love, love all the everyone, people yeah you can't love everyone <laughs> right. it's impossible well you could yeah be be accepting that's cool but mm-hmm. like I, I love the fact that remember back in the day they made uh um speedy gonzalez go away from yep. warner brothers yeah, cartoons because right, he was right. uh culturally offensive yet the mexican culture the loves speedy, uh, back, speedy yeah. gonzalez they love all, they yeah. love well, white people wearing sombreros they love it yeah, yeah it's like there was this video of this white guy wearing like a fake mustache and a sombrero and the whole outfit and he walked around like a college campus like ucla or something like that mm-hmm. and was like do you think my outfit is offensive and it's all you know like white college students and they were like yeah because it's cultural appropriation and all this stuff and then he went into a Mexican neighborhood and he was like do you find my outfit offensive and they're like no I love it it's great mm-hmm. exactly yeah. why would you're celebrating my culture why would I be offended by that because yeah, you're that makes taking no it sense. well you're I think taking what, it from them it's oh like, no. God. what they're I, I think they're taking the extremist look at it right like okay if I walk around in blackface carrying a piece of watermelon and a rack of ribs mm-hmm. that's taking yeah. it to us mm-hmm. uh, that's a different a substandard yeah. level right where you're you're not not celebrating a, a person or their race you're yeah I mean there's pandering. mockery there's yeah. there's homage you know there's all sorts of different levels of it right yeah. and I think and, only the malicious level shouldn't be acceptable. So you brought up The Simpsons earlier. Hank Azaria did the voice of Apu yep. right. and had to step away from doing mm-hmm. the voice of Apu. Uh, somebody else has taken it over, but a lot of the people in that culture were not offended no. by exactly. his representation. Just one guy who wrote a book. But they said, why not? In this I understand. Why not just get an actor of that? Yeah. What's the right term? Race? I don't know what the I don't even know what the politically correct yeah, terms you are anymore. Never even know. But you, why not just get somebody to, to play that? And I get that. You know, why not get somebody that can do this? But I also love the fact they're like, why didn't you get uh, a, a handy capable actor to play that yeah. role? Because this is called acting, and that's what I was doing. I was acting. Um, there was a really great breakdown of um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Tropic Thunder, yep. where he plays in blackface for most of it. And it was a, an African-American guy that was doing this, and, and he broke it down. He goes, this is why it's not racist. First of all, they're mocking the culture that they would rather hire a white actor to be in blackface. And then they were mocking the whole, um, those what is it, what's it called when the actors kind of method acting, oh, method right? Acting. Oh, yeah, method, they, right. they were mocking that. They weren't mocking the race. They weren't mocking the right, storyline. Exactly. He goes, he did that kind of quintessential black guy voice that, you know, the that thing and he goes but he was still and and he explained the difference between humor and offense and it was really well done so he goes so does this fit all of the narrative for racism not at all does it fit for 
uh, social commentary. Yeah, this was a great bit, and he did a great job portraying that character mm-hmm. who is so self-absorbed, he feels he can play any race or color or yeah. creed. So, yeah. you know, people just people want to be offended. People want to feel like they're on the side of right, so they're they willing feel to like take it's a, a battle, thing. Yeah. yeah, and if you're if you've made yourself into a warrior, then you're going to be looking for battles to fight because that's what you do. You fight battles. If there are no battles left, then you're just some guy with a sword. You've got nothing to do. I got, uh, I got a buddy of mine on a TV show, and he, um, he is a female member of the team that he's working with, and he was trying to get her to be more involved in part of what they were doing with this experiment, and she put her foot down and didn't want to do it, and she was not really participating. She was just kind of there, and because he was asking her to do something she was uncomfortable with, they started attacking him as propagating rape culture. Uh, well, Which, I mean, as somebody that's been raped, that's got to be really offensive to yeah, somebody that was raped as opposed to somebody that's being asked to step up in a yep. role and do their job. But people want to find fault in everything you do. Well, to be fair, was the experiment who can take their top off the fastest? No. Okay. Was yeah. Then he's probably not No, it was somebody who had a very specific ability... And just refused to tap into it because they weren't in the mood. Mm-hmm. And and they needed to move further in right. this. I don't want to give it because I don't want to cause more problems behind the scenes. But it was just silly that they're prop. Oh, he's propagating rape culture. Yeah. Well, you saw of the thousands of hours filmed, you saw very little actual right. on camera to see the dynamic that led up to that moment. But people love to be offended. And now there's a little... Uh, pocket of culture that's going after this guy well, well there's also a lot of men who think that if they come to the defense of a woman then she'll you know sleep with them they don't <laughs> it, oh, well you if you're if you have a popular tv yeah, show know. then yeah, of course but. my whole thing with that that deal about i wouldn't oh, know about that you know that's uh it's offensive i'm offended what they're really saying is i'm a victim well yeah of course they Victimhood just want, gets you power oh god they love being a victim don't they mm-hmm. what's well, an easy disgusting. way to get power yeah, well, that's exactly right. So uh, he was a great guest. Lyman was a great guest. He was very, very honest about it all. Yeah. Because all we ever see in America is the glorified part. I mean, look at look at rap music. It well, glorifies gangbanging. He was it's disgusting. He grew up in the '90s, joined the gang in the '90s, yeah. and that was the height of you know gangster rap and that sort of thing, where everyone wanted to be part of one of those gangs, the Bloods and the Crips. That was probably the height. Of them, it's true. Well, you you were right though, Tom. That you know, it glorifies the gangster. We've always done that, right? Oh, Even absolutely. starting with the oh, Godfather, yeah. going back to oh, there used to be the movie code back when um, Bogart and Cagney were right, in, and the 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 villain, no matter how likable you made him, kind of he wasn't going to survive this deal. Mm-hmm. He was going to get gunned right. down at some point, and if you even alluded to the fact he might have made it out. There was a problem with it, right? And yeah. I think I think one of the first movies to break that mold was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance, uh, Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. You see them run out, but you never see them get gunned you down. See, right. You never see justice. But they've changed that over the years, and the, the bad guys win. And yeah. Which is sad, because that's life. The bad guys win. Yeah, they do. You know, And they, they do these things. Now, is it glorification? To a degree, sure. It sure looks cool to be a, a mobster and have all that power. Right. People falling at your feet and doing what you want, having money to blow everywhere. You know, but people, that's the problem. People do not know how to separate reality from fantasy. No, they don't. Yeah, very true. They're, they're so involved in what they watch. You know, there are people, like, you've got some people that are, you know, 
major celebrities that people absolutely hate because their character was so yep. despicable that on a TV a show mm -hmm. that they're getting death threats in real life. They're like, hey, idiot, I'm an actor. Yeah, That's not, not who not I am. Real. I'm not that guy. I, right. you know. But I see even in the little bit of popularity I have with the TV show, there's a lot of people out of touch with reality. Like yes. crazy oh, out of touch, oh, yeah. you know? And they're, oh, yeah. I, I have to warn you, before you film the next episode, that was a demon that did this to you. And they're fake. And I'm like, you realize we filmed this series a year ago. It's just <laughs> airing now. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you you're go. incorrect. But they're, right. you know, they're telling me, oh, my God, it's it, if you're not careful, it's going to kill one of your children. And I'm like, why would you even jump into that conclusion? Did you watch the episode? But people have that want and desire to help but then they don't know the mm. proper way to do it and i think that's why there's so many social warriors out there trying to find something to, yep, they're to trying jump to on fight board a dragon with. yep there but there aren't any yeah or if if there are it requires a lot more than you know liking something on twitter yeah yeah, yeah. exactly what what that doesn't change the world a lot yeah. of people well, that's all the power they have so that's what they do they're like i gotta do something right but technically no Doing something useless is really no different than doing nothing at all. Yeah, you just stir people up, mm -hmm. getting more people incited into anger. I, it's it's a weird world. Did you see the new deal? Speaking of Twitter, you have to pay to be verified now. Yeah, well, I, eight dollars a month yeah, for lately subscription. Lately, I've heard it's eight. I, oh, really? I've heard as much as fifty, though. I don't Which, know. Which okay, so there's one side of it as, um, and and I get this all the time. People will write to me and they're like, "Dave, you're friends with Zach from Ghost Adventures." Um, does this seem right? He, I've been talking to him online for a while, and he's sending me these private messages under his private account, and uh, all of a sudden he's borrowing money. Mm, he's doing okay. this. I'm like, no. And I've told people, I go, well, first of all, he's probably the best off paranormal TV personality out there. He's never going to have to borrow. Yeah, money I was going to say you. it's like, well, yeah. I'm a famous TV guy, yeah. but can I borrow fifty bucks? Yeah, but if you like, also what? watch the show and listen to the way they speak, and then your text comes in. Me, I'm also a fan of your. Yeah. Thank you for follow my show. I know. Yeah. You know, what are you talking to Tarzan? Uh -huh. It's obviously yeah. somebody from another country who's running it through a translation yep. document. Mm -hmm. They're trying to hook you for cash. Yeah. And uh, I actually got rooked. Uh, Paul Williams. I was trying to have Paul Williams, the m musical guy, the, the musician, mm -hmm. on my show because he created some really great songs that have paranormal themes to them. Mm -hmm. Like Rainbow Connection. Nobody thinks yeah. of it, but the whole song is about the paranormal. Yeah. And I reached out to him through his pages on, on social media, and he wrote back. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'd love to do the show. What do you pay? Which uh, isn't isn't out of the not, line. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't pay. I, I just do a little <laughs> paranormal podcast. I'll have you on for five, ten minutes. I just want to talk to you about the song. Uh, but I get it. You know, you're, you're busy and you yeah. have a life. So if you can't do it. Well, I can. I'll, I'll tell you what. I can do it for 100 bucks. I just need to have some skin in the game. For, All right. Well, okay, 100 bucks. I'll talk to Paul Williams. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then it's like, but could you just help me instead? Could you get me this Amazon gift oh, card? Oh, that's and always like, oh, oh, son of a bitch. That's always a massive red flag. Amazon the gift, cards. gift cards. But you need the check marks to a degree. Because they do serve a purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's people out there that pretend to be Cindy Kaza, yep. the medium, mm -hmm. and they're putting up, let me do reading for you, mm -hmm. $80, yep. right? Yeah. And then people are buying these readings that don't happen, yeah. and then they get pissed, pissed off at the real yep. celebrity. Yeah. Um, so the, the blue check marks do have a point, but then, like, now dipshit that bought the thing, uh, uh, Elon, Elon Musk... Musk 
he's like, oh, no more of this elitist thing with the blue check mark. It was never about being elite. Well, it the, was about making sure that you were speaking to the actual person. That's right. what verification was. Well, I yeah. will say this is that they did make it into an elitist thing. Because originally the concept was making sure it's the real person. Right. But they started rescinding people's check marks when they started saying things that they didn't like. Right. And that is when they ruined the entire concept. Sure. Because if you're taking away someone's verified identity, you're saying this isn't even really a verified identity. This is just a mark of approval. But now you could go on and set up a Dave Schrader account and elect to pay. Well, so it's anyone be, who that, pays? That's the way it's currently – that's the way they're mm -hmm. introducing it. So you could pretend to be me and be fleecing people for money. Uh. Um, so it's – it's there's some – that's it, that's not about elitism. It's about making sure that the people following them are not well, doing this. Well, but it's this. still elitism if you're just paying for it because it's saying, hey, right. I I've can afford to pay this. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's basically yeah. just yeah. like a mark that says, you know, I've got money to blow on something stupid. And I will say, and the one th I've tried to get verified on Instagram and Twitter for 10 years, right? I, I fill out all their forms. I do everything I can because there are people out there pretending to be me that have mm -hmm. taken people for money. Mm -hmm. I'd like to have the blue check mark so I can say, no, only talk to this yep. one. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> that's that was my hope for it. I cannot get verified. That's what I'm saying. People that have had it, yeah. one TV show, and then I found out one of the reasons I can't get verified is because I follow a lot of my followers. But do you know what? At the end of the day, I get people going, oh, my God, I can't believe you followed me. I'm such a huge fan. Yeah. that You don't know how that made my day. Dad would always follow everyone yeah, back. Yeah, so why not follow? Work. So you're going to punish me because yep. I actually followed the people that care enough to follow me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not about yeah. I or identity verification anymore. Yeah. It's, it's about whatever their little rules are that the hoops they make you jump through to yeah. you know because it's fun for them, I guess. I we need know. three articles, recent articles, proving that mm -hmm. you are somebody. Yeah. And it was just like, or I could be on YouTube showing my boobs and you give me a blue check mark because I've got a million viewers. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Can I just send you a picture that has like a sign that says, <laughs> yes, it's me? Yeah, you know, here I, was, I am. It's yeah. good enough for Reddit. Oh, is that what they do on Reddit? Reddit, the AMAs. Yeah, but you can also now, uh, they have those deals where it's the picture and it's blank. You can put whatever oh, you yeah, want they, in the little. You can template it out. Yeah. yeah. That's why you have to upload a picture of your credit card front and back. Oh, that and sounds your right. Security yeah, number. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then the prince from Nazir will name. send you the money. Yeah, exactly. That'll be great. Yeah, I think that's what uh, your dad's really waiting for is for that big. Uh, Someone the blue just check died. Mark. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> oh dear. Yikes. Mom keeps calling you again. <laughs> yeah, your mom. <laughs> I hate your mother. Drake to the Bang, moon. Zoom. <laughs> Can you guys mind wrapping it up early today? I guess not. Mm. Yeah. Not in the mood. It's fine. Well, no, I just have to take care of some stuff. Okay. Oh, dear. No, no, it's not. Oh, dear. Deal. I can All actually right. go home they're... and eat lunch. That'll be nice. That'll be nice. Anyway, Tasty. sorry for the, but they're, you know, well, you've only got about 15 minutes left in the show anyway, so that's good. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. <laughs>